Hello there, welcome to Jubes and Curd, the podcast of my show on GB News. My name's Michelle Jubery, and you can catch me live every weekday evening from 6 till 7pm. But worry not, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Jubes and Curd. Keeping me company tonight, we're back down to the plan too. We've got at the columnist at the Mail on Sunday, Peter Hitchens. And the anthropologist, Marianne Erhotter. Good evening to both of you. Hi. Uh, lots of you guys already have been getting in contact with me because you know the drill on Jubes and Curd, don't you? It's not just about us here. It's about you at home as well and your thoughts. You can get in touch with me on the email, gbviews at gbnews.uk. Or you can get me on Twitter, gbnews or at Michelle Jubes, of course. Uh, it'd be remiss of me, wouldn't it, to uh, not start with the Tory leadership competition tonight. Uh, thank goodness we're finally down to just two people. I'm not sure, quite frankly, how long I could have continued with this because uh, I wonder how interested in all of this are you? I don't mean to be rude, uh, but it's uh, every day now uh, for quite some time. It's been, well, we're down to five, we're down to four, we're down to three. So personally, I think, thank goodness, we're finally down to two. Uh, Rishi Sunak then and Liz Truss are your choices. Who do you want to be your next Prime Minister? Penny Mordaunt uh, was eliminated this afternoon from that competition. All a bit X-factor, if you ask me. Uh, now it goes down to the Tory party members. It's for them to vote over the summer as to who they want to be the next Prime Minister. Uh, should we just recap then, uh, before I bring in the panel, as to what we know about the two remaining candidates? Rishi Sunak, uh, he's apparently the sensible one, he says, when it comes to taxes. He'll raise corp tax uh, or stick with the planned raise from 19 to 25% next year. He supports the Rwanda immigration plan. Uh, on Brexit as well, he's talking tough, so he is. He reckons he's going to get rid of the laws that get in the way of British business. That's Rishi. Uh, Liz Truss, let's look at her, shall we? She says she's going to start uh, with tax cuts. That's what she's all about. On day one, she reckons 30 billion of them, to be precise. Uh, when it comes to immigration, she supports the planned uh, Rwanda plan, uh, says that she'd go even further and expand it to include Turkey. Got to say that according to the senior minister there, or senior spokesman there, it's not in his plan at least. But nonetheless, she's talking tough on it. And she also, when it comes to Brexit, uh, would continue her robust policy, she says, on the Northern Ireland Protocol. Don't forget that she was, of course, uh, initially a Remainer. Uh, I want to know where you stand on all of this, particularly if you are a Tory party member, because whilst it's all fascinating what we think, I'm not a Tory party member, so I don't get a vote. Are you? Will you? Who will you vote for? Phil's been in touch already saying, Michelle, what have they done? Uh, Boris's last PMQs was sublime. He surely will be missed. He says it's only at the next election when Tory MPs start losing their seats, they will realise what fools they have been. He was the best by far. Uh, Sam, or Skint Sam, to give him his full name that is used there, says it has to be Liz. Definitely not that snake Rishi who stabbed Boris in the back. Um, personally, I just want Boris. Lots of that uh, <laughs> coming through. Uh, Mary's not, not approving of that one. But I've got to say, a couple of thousand of people uh, have written uh, to the 1922 committee saying that they want Boris. They want Boris back on that ballot paper, but it's not going to happen. Peter Hitchens, where do you stand on all this? Oh, 
Uh, I stand laughing at uh, one side of it. I, what, what is in this for any normal human being? I, people ask me, have asked me over the past few days, who is my favorite candidate for the Tory leadership? I've responded by saying, what is your favorite disease? Why would I want any of these people to, to be in charge of the government? And here is one simple thing about this, whatever other positions you may have. They, all the people involved uh, were tested, as every member of parliament was, by the panic uh, over COVID. Mm. And all of them panicked. Uh, they panicked and they supported plans to crush the liberty of the subject and to destroy the economy with wild inflationary spending. And so they have nothing whatever to say about two of the most fundamental duties of government. And they've proved it axiomatically. Everybody who stood in that election was unfit to govern the country. So why should I care? As a, as a mischievous joke, uh, which I think is in grave danger of being taken seriously, I w would wonder if it, somebody might start a campaign for a write-in, Alexander, Pfeffel, Boris Johnson, uh, as the third candidate, because the two that have been put before the members are so ludicrous that even he looks good beside them. And people must be beginning to wonder, if this is what they've got, why are they so keen to get rid of him? But that's purely, as I say, mischief. I, the Conservative Party seems to me to have done itself in here. Uh, what we see now is the beginning of uh, Keir Starmer's ascent to Downing Street in some kind of coalition with the Liberal Democrats, probably in less than two years. Because if you remember, it's very important, the Tory party were very prominent in saying when Gordon Brown became prime minister without winning an election, you haven't got a mandate, you haven't got a mandate. I think this is constitutional rubbish, but it's become common opinion now. And whoever gets this, the, the victory in this election will constantly be faced by the opposition saying, well, when are you going to prove yourself by winning a general election? And I don't think they'll last another two years. I don't see how they can. Marianne? Uh, well, I... I don't think they would go to an early election because I think you're right, they probably would lose, whether they whether that's fundamentally because you agree with the principle of they haven't got a mandate or whether it's because we're going to top 10% of inflation or, or beyond. Uh, we've already seen this cost of living crisis hit families really hard and it's the summer, no one has their heating on. In the winter, that's going to mm -hmm. be much more punishing. What we've had is that over the past two years of, of COVID, um, households have saved a little bit of money that they otherwise would have spent on, on luxuries, on those um, discretionary spends, as, as economists call them. Um, and now that kind of money's run out and people are going, oh, hang on a minute, we're going to have to cut back. So the first things that you cut back are those luxuries, the luxuries that keep shops and online businesses going. And then people are going to start to really, really tighten their belts. Oh, very you know, much. You're standing in the supermarket going, all right, well, I've got 30 quid in my bank account. Otherwise, my card won't go through. So I'm going to ask the supermarket checkout person to stop putting things through when the total gets yeah, to this that is, amount. This is happening already. The thing about inflation, I remember this from the 1970s. The same thing happened. After a very short period of time, you, you can't remember the price that anything used to have. Exactly. And all the prices become completely impossible to believe. And you look at that, that wasn't, that wasn't, and it's not 9%. You'll often find something that's put on 20 or 30% in, mm. in, in, in between now and the last time you bought it. And inflation is now moving into that out of control state in which people begin to think, well, if the railwayman can get a few extra percentage points, then so should I. So all kinds of trouble are coming. And as you say, when it gets cold, instead of hot, and people have to pay for the energy that they're, that they're being, that they've got used to having. The amount of discontent 
which will, will begin to exist, will be huge. And the, the Tories have timed it brilliantly. They've, they've decided to immolate themselves just at the point when everybody's going to start hating them anyway. I, Michelle, had <coughs> up until, I don't know, a few months ago, thought, well, Rishi's the best of a bad bunch. And then he came out with that spring statement. I thought, you've done nothing, absolutely nothing. He could have followed through with an economic policy that supported ordinary families. And he did absolutely nothing to kind of fend off the crisis that was that was coming our way. It's honestly very little he can do. What he did with the with the ridiculous uh, magic money tree period was so destructive and so dangerous that it's almost impossible to see anything that he could do now which wouldn't make it worse. So the, 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 the Liz Trust programme of spending an extra 30 gazillion pounds, and where will that come from? It would have to be borrowed. Well, and if you borrow said, it, then you have to pay it back again at some other later stage. So much of our tax already, if people realise how much of the tax they pay, simply goes on paying interest on the debt that we already owe, they'd gasp. And, and what she proposes to do must lead to more of that. They haven't a clue what to do, just <laughs> didn't but, have a clue what to do when they panicked over COVID. But, but, when but Rishi, uh, Marianne, he's actually, because this is one of the things that I couldn't quite grasp with this uh, Tory government, why aren't you doing more mm. to help the people that really, really need it? But Rishi is obviously very committed to uh, what he was thinking when he was the Chancellor of his economic plan, because he's doubling down on that. He's saying uh, that the other candidates, uh, when there were many of them, he was extending it to most of them. He was saying that they're basically uh, living cuckoo land. They're talking about fairy tales when they're talking about all of these tax cuts. So far from kind of sitting there reflecting and thinking, actually, in hindsight, maybe I could have done more, should have done more, and I will, he's doubling down, saying, nope, this is my plan, it's realistic, it's sensible, and on with it we go. So he's got internal logic, so that is to his credit, whereas I think yeah. Liz Truss, like you say, uh, Peter, and, 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 but he's and also, as he's, you pointed out, Michelle, it's a kind of fairy tale that you can't lower, lower taxes and increase spending and support essential services because we really are, you know, scraping the barrel, all the, all the extra stuff that local authorities could provide that the NHS was able to prop itself up and get through those gasping, gaspingly busy periods. What you've got now is, is experienced people who are nearing retirement going, this is not worth it, not worth the cost of my family, not worth the cost of my mental health. I'm out. I'm sorry, everyone. Damage I'm is out. done. And Su the damage is Su done. Sunak is, Sunak is being so cautious because he, being the Chancellor of the Exchequer, has seen the books. He knows the money he knows is that he, not he, there. He knows yeah, that exactly. it's, it's, it's catastrophic. He knows what he did during his own period of fairy tale economics. He knows he destroyed the economy. And now no, he didn't single-handedly destroy the economy because did. of those policies. It was the completely was ludicrous. And, 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 and I can sit here and say, I said so at the time, all this is going to lead to very, very severe inflation, the destruction of business. And it, and it was obvious he knew it too, but he still went ahead and did it because rather than, uh, rather than listen to any kind of, 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 of sane advice, the whole government panicked over COVID. I don't, we will I know, pay for I, that. We will pay for that till we die. I absolutely reject that. We may well be paying for it for a very long time, but that's because it was a global pandemic. This was untested territory. We'd never been in a situation where millions of people were at risk of dying, and, and nor, indeed and, did and nor die. 200,000 people nor, nor, have died nor, in this country alone. Nor had Sweden been in that position, and they didn't panic, and as a result, they came out of Their it. Their economy is different to ours, so it's, it's not... It is different to us, but it's better, it's better run than ours. But the and they, thing they, is, they, they make more and export more, but the fact is, they didn't panic, and had they done so, they'd be worse off than they are now, just as we are. I think what you're suggesting with your 2020 vision is that you 
would have had. I said this at the time. I said it all at the time. This is no, this is not hindsight. What I'm you were repeating what I said when it was going on. Sure. Okay. So it's and not I got hindsight. I got pelted with slime for saying it. So I'm absolutely determined to say it again now. Uh, when it's absolutely clear that what I said then was right. But then what you would have had right is now that too. people would have not been able to keep their rent paid. They wouldn't have had jobs to go back to. Businesses would have collapsed left, right and centre. And so what you would have said is, well, take the pain then and so you no. don't have pain in the future. This policy, so that was the rainy day. That's when you have the money printing. Government policy ready. during COVID destroyed the economy. It destroyed business. It destroyed, destroyed jobs. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it destroyed what was left of the solvency of this country. And all of it was avoidable and it didn't need to be done. And they did it. And, and, and the, the, the problem is that there was also no opposition. So the people who will take over as a result of their catastrophe will be people who are, in, who are implicated in exactly the same disaster. There's nobody here who has any idea of how bad it was or has any clue as to what to do. And this is the terrifying thing. The and we've sat through an, 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 an election, a supposed election of, of, of a collection of nobodies who, who haven't an idea what to do. And if, as I say, if one stops laughing at it, uh, one views it as the tragedy, which it undoubtedly is. Fennel, did you want a final word on that one before I bring my viewers in? Because my viewers are, are very uh, happy today to get involved in this one, I can tell you. Go on. Two things. Uh, thing number one, which is the thing that I think genuinely was an absolute travesty and an indictment on our government, was the level of corruption, the contracts for mates, the la lack of scrutiny of contracts and what was actually being delivered, and the level of fraud that has been written off by the Treasury. That is definitely a black mark in, in the column for Rishi Sunak. I think the thing that has come up <laughs> again and again, Michelle, about Boris, even the way that he was um, treated by his, his parliamentarians today at Prime Minister's Question Time, we've all somehow managed to forget that he is leaving office in disgrace. He was also at the helm throughout the pandemic. So he can't say, oh, you know, is, I, I did a good job, business almost done. Because you say we had this, we, we had this, we had this. He was at the helm of this yeah, ship. We, we had you this, are condemning Peter. We had this moment. I'm, I'm not a supporter of his. You should know that. Uh, but we had this moment where they were all applauding, which they're not allowed to do, and which always makes me feel faintly ill uh, when they were all applauding him as he left. And I was reminded of that, but the, uh, with, uh, the, of the moment when Blair was also applauded out of the chamber. Now it still seems to me to be very strange that Blair, a man who was at, at least partly responsible for one of the worst, stupidest and bloodiest wars in human history, which did nothing but harm, uh, stayed in office and wasn't driven from it. Uh, everybody knows that, this, that Blair was responsible for this and that he behaved in, a, in a, an absolutely appalling fashion and, and sold the country a, a, a pack of garbage. Uh, and he walked out of office uh, applauded. Uh, Johnson, who d did something to do with cakes or a, or a glass of wines, hounded from office as if he committed some terrible war crime which whatever else he did, he didn't do. And, 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 his, and people, people on the left, particularly, uh, who, who, who don't say this about Blair, somehow or other pile on about Johnson as if he's the worst person in the world. I am not a defender of his, but this seems to me to be a wholly out of proportion reaction uh, to, 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 the, to, the, to the wrongs which he did, given that Blair not merely walked out of, uh, out of Parliament being applauded, uncensured, but then went off to make so much money that he doesn't know what to do with it anymore. Um, and by the way, Marianne, you say that uh, Boris is leaving office in disgrace. I can tell you um, there's so many people emailing in now saying, bring back Boris. I mentioned earlier on that thousands of people have tried to uh, do a campaign to get him back on the ballot box. 
Uh, so there is a big sentiment out there, actually, uh, that Boris was essentially uh, subject to some form of coup. And I don't believe, and I'll put my cards on the table now, I don't believe that Rishi Sunak will win uh, the members vote. I don't think he's got uh, much of a chance in that particular vote at all because I think, I mean, I speak to you guys every day and it's coming through again tonight, the sentiment through a lot of you guys is that you feel that he's... Uh, stab, he's got no integrity, stabbed Boris in the back, and I think that will hurt him. Uh, there's also a sense coming through tonight on the inbox that a lot of you are disappointed that Penny Morden uh, left. Just to give you some numbers, by the way, if you didn't follow everything a bit earlier on, uh, Sunak got 137 votes, Truss 113, and Morden uh, 105. So Rishi Sunak gained uh, 19 on this latest round, Liz Truss gained 27 and Penny Mordaunt uh, gained 13. So there was eight vote difference between Truss and Mordaunt. So Mordaunt is now gone. Um, Patricia says, I would like Liz Truss to win. If, if Rishi wins the vote, he's not getting my vote going forward. I wouldn't ever vote for a backstabber. Lots of people writing in saying that you're party members and you're just not going to vote at all. Um, does that apply to you? Are you a Tory uh, party member? Are you just not going to bother voting? Let me know your thoughts on that one. Uh, well, surely JC... you should vote and spoil your ballot if there's a way to do that. Why? Because then you're registering the fact that you protest the, the, the candidates on offer rather than just that you couldn't be bothered yeah. and you were watching... But no ballot protests are worth, uh, no, of, no ballot protests are worth anything unless they're organised. If somebody organised a write-in campaign for Johnson or if somebody organised a mass abstention, then it might have some effect. But just individuals writing rude things on a ballot paper, that, that's just chucked to one side by the returning officers. Nothing happens at all. I'm hugely in favour. At the next general election, I, 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 I would strongly favour uh, people simply refusing to vote for, for either of the major parties. I, and, and if I if, if ballot, ballot papers should all have a slot on them saying none of the below at the top of every ballot paper. And if, 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 that, if the none of the blows outnumber uh, the, 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 the leaders in, in, in the vote, then the election should be called again. And those people who failed to stand on that occasion should not be allowed to raise any more money to do it again so that other people can step in. We've had for far too long dead parties dominating our politics worthless parties of useless people uh, which need to be got rid of. This may be our opportunity, but the best way of doing it is mass abstention. Uh, but you, have, you to, have to be organised. You have to register your abstention because otherwise be, it just looks it like you any, forgot or couldn't use. be bothered. Well, uh, you tell me what you think to that. If you are a Tory party member, uh, will you be voting at all? I think whoever that was there said that they're not. You raise an interesting point. Marianne says, even if you're not going to vote, you should uh, spoil your ballot. I've got to say, having stood in a couple of elections, I find the spoiled ballot papers hilarious because you do actually have to... Uh, go through them all one at a time and agree collectively that you agree that it's a spoilt ballot paper. <laughs> and some of the creativity that uh, people <laughs> do, uh, they draw various uh, parts of the anatomy doing various different things, which I'll spare <laughs> you from because it's tea time. But honestly, you get some cracking creativity in there. Some people, I think, should put the names on there. Uh, an email address, just in case you never know who's reading. It's a secret there. ballot, Michelle. You might. <laughs> I, I, I think people should be spared. We should all be spared that. We and, should and all I have be to say, spared. I'm not advocating the drawing of body parts on ballot paper. Oh, neither am I, but what I'm saying, Peter, is they are pretty hilarious, I've got to say. <laughs> uh, Leslie says, Jubes, I am so sad to see Boris go. Please uh, bring back 
Boris. Lots of you are saying exactly the thing. Uh, bring back Boris. Christine's put it in massive capitals. Bring back Boris. Gotta say, I don't think it's gonna happen. Hello there, this is Jules and Co with me, Michelle Dubry, keeping me company until seven o'clock tonight, columnist at the Mail on Sunday, Pizza Hitchens, and anthropologist, Marianne Hotter. I was just having a little uh, mini debate here amongst ourselves in the break because uh, we were just talking about Tory leadership. We got a little bit into it. Uh, <laughs> what that means is I've got to drop a story at the end of the topic. So I was asking these guys, what are they more passionate about? What do they want to debate more? Do, they, do we want to get into the NHS now basically opening up uh, the ability for people to get IVF or ponder. Uh, what is the purpose of the NHS? Do we uh, need it to be providing free IVF? Is that what it's there for, especially in these times of crisis? Or do we want to talk about recreational drug users? Uh, three, three strikes and then you're at risk of getting your passport and your driving license taken off you very weird. So anyway, we've just been pontificating which of those we're going to get into last. If you've got a preference, let me know. Otherwise, guess what? I'm just going to go like this and pick one. Uh, but for now, let's talk about the police, shall we? Uh, what do you think? I mean, we read all the time, don't we? We listen all the time. Pretty much everyone, everywhere, everyone's saying they ain't got no money for this, they're getting pulled off into this direction, the other direction. What should the police be doing? I mean, the easy answer to that, isn't it, is fighting crime. Um, but where are the boundaries? Where, the, where are the lines on this? Uh, what about mental health issues? Uh, calls such as transporting vulnerable people from one place to another, is that the police's job? Because one police and crime commissioner says he doesn't think so. He's been, his force, should I say, has been spending over 50,000 hours in 2021 alone dealing with mental health issues. He says uh, if this continues, he's going to send a police <coughs> time to the local authority. I mean, I'm not really sure he'd get very far with that. But non, uh, notwithstanding that, it got me thinking, Peter, where do you stand on this? The role of the police, uh, are there boundaries to this? Your thoughts? Well, two things. One, it's absolutely true. The police are constantly called to deal with the mental health problems. And the reason for this actually goes back to our old friend Enoch Powell, who, when he was Minister for Health, uh, destroyed the residential mental hospitals of this country, uh, many of which survived as extremely ex expensive uh, blocks of flats and housing, uh, which were utterly wiped out in favour of supposed care in the community, which is neither care nor in the community, which basically means abandoning uh, mentally ill people uh, in bedsits while they are expected to take, uh, in many cases, quite powerful psychotropic drugs, which many of them don't take. Consequence is that somebody has to pick up the pieces uh, when this goes wrong, and the police are, and indeed the prisons, have a terrible time picking up the pieces from this. There's no question of it. Uh, but it's not really the central problem with the police central problem with the police. I mean, we could, we could resolve that by deciding that we were going to actually rebuild, as we ought to do, in my view, uh, the, the mental hospital system so people have the residential care, which so many of them very badly need. And what we also need to do is to actually prosecute people for the possession of the drugs, which in many cases lead to them becoming mentally ill, which is one of the reasons why mental illness is such a huge problem among us. But the police themselves uh, are wholly and utterly misaligned for the, for the job which they're supposed to do. They're, they were hired originally and used to do the job of patrolling the streets preventively to stop crime and disorder from happening. And they have stopped doing that. They've closed the police stations from which, in which they were based while they did it. And they have become a reactive fire brigade type service which waits for crime and disorder to happen and then rushes to the spot. Completely useless, incredibly heavy on manpower. They have many, many more 
police officers now than they had in the 1960s when they did the job properly. They have vast budgets. They have huge numbers of white-collar staff backing them up, but they still can't do it, and they never can do it, because if you, if you follow reactive fire brigade policing, crime will exponentially increase, and you will never catch up with it, and you won't be able to look after the mentally ill either. It's very simple, and the police refuse to pay any attention to it, and the Home Office refuses to pay any attention to it as well, uh, and eventually it will collapse. My argument is we should close down the existing police and start new ones. Uh, proper, lo proper local responsive police forces, which actually do the job which Robert Peel originally set out for them to do. The police is a, are a vast, failed, nationalised industry, which has not for years done the job that it's supposed to do. The criminals are neither, uh, are neither arrested nor prosecuted, and the, the work is simply not being done. And the police are utterly uh, resistant whenever this is put before them. They make excuses for it, but the fact is that the public are beginning to realise that they're being severely let down. Oh, blimey. Uh, basically, do away with the police. And no, not do away with again. them. Replace them. Again. No, replace them with the proper police force. In, in the United States, all policing is local, as it used to be in this country. Before Roy Jenkins merged the police forces into great big bureaucratic lumps in, in 1967, no, yeah, no, we had small that. local police forces which were responsive to their neighbourhoods and did their job. Now we have these bureaucratic lumps which, which pay no attention to public opinion or desire and don't do the job. Mariana Hotter, what I do you make to that? I find Peter Hitchens both baffling and sometimes enticing because there's a bit that I agree with. Oh, good. And then there's a bit that you explain your reasoning that I just think is absolutely cuckoo. So, yes, I agree. I, don't think, I think you mustn't say things like that. I've actually written a book on this subject. Uh, and I, 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 know, I know a lot. No, I didn't know. I'm just saying, using words like cuckoo, okay. I think it's just, it's just lowers the, the, the debate to the, point of, to, to the point of heckling and, and, and incivility. If you want to say that something I, 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 I say is wrong, yeah. then advance a case. Okay. But to use words like cuckoo, it just simply breaks the rules yeah, of serious no debate. Yeah, no, go on then. Advance no your case. So... Sometimes I find the statement that you come out with right at the kind of the, the, the headline statement, I go, yes, strangely, I agree with you. And then you provide the reasoning, and I feel regularly surprised at how much I disagree with you. Well, give us an example. For example, I agree. The police are not able to, or are not doing the job that we need them to do. They are not delivering on that contract that they have with society, which is that they police by consent and they provide services to keep us safe, to prevent crime, to detect crime, and to provide the support for the community such that we can all live law-abiding, happy and successful lives. Agreed. However, I do not agree that that's because we should actually have mental asylums again, lock people up who are on psychotropic drugs, and go back to wait, wait a, a past, which was a sort of halcyon, nostalgic, romantic version where Bobby's on the beach, trundled around the village green, a I, professionalized. I didn't say sport. any of let, that. Let her finish her point. No, but I didn't say any of it. So I can't, I, can't, I can't let her criticize me for things that I didn't say. So uh, if we stick well, to what I actually then, said. So no, I've already heard you say, you say about nine things, attributing them to me, which I did not say. Pick one of them and what she said that's, that's wrong. I, it's not really about you, though. It's about the police. Well, it is, about the, it, 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 it is about the police. But, I mean, you, you, first of all, you mixed up two things. I, 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 made a, I made an absolute clear attack on Enoch Powell's closure of the mental hospitals and said they should re be, be reopened. This I disagree with. You disagree with that? Absolutely. You don't, you don't think we should have mental hospitals? I think that we should have 
Uh, not not in the way that we did in the old days, where people well, got locked up, you know, the key got thrown away, well, people got electroshock therapy, families people never People are getting electroshock therapy but, as we speak. It is still, very shockingly, used in the National Health Service, and I'm absolutely against it, as I'm, as I'm against an awful lot of the treatments which were used at the time. But mental... Had mental health you, breakdowns got you, locked you, up You must left. know people, you must know people, I know people who have who've had members of their families who badly need residential mental hospital care and cannot get it because there isn't any. It is tremendously difficult to get into British mental hospitals because there are so few of them. That's got nothing to do with reopening 1950s-style mental hospitals. I never said I was in favour of that because, obviously, I'm not. This is not the 1950s. There have been huge advances in okay, well, many things since then. It's just, it's just wrong and unfair to caricature an opinion. So I think what, we, what, uh, what is clear to me is that this is about funding. The, the, looking after people with mental health conditions so that they don't get picked up by the blue light services. So paramedics getting called out or the police officers getting called out because all the other services just haven't been able to provide people or to prevent them being in a situation which is being deemed criminalised. I absolutely think it's wrong that police officers are the people to be escorting juveniles to a safe place or sitting with um, someone who's been involved in an incident and they have to sit in an A&E department because they need medical treatment. They don't really need a police escort, but equally the police can't hand them over to someone else. That's also wrong. Well, you might, you might find outside... people in the health service a bit worried about the fact that, 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 that uh, violent people who've also been injured are taken to A&Es because it can be very frightening in those well, places. Well, let's on step Saturday back nights. a few more stages and have a situation, have a society, have a set of state... Um, supported system well, sure, that yeah. mean that those people don't end up in crisis in the first place. So your idea of, of care in the community fails many It has people. failed. I think you're right, but I think that's not because fundamentally it's a bad idea. I think it's an absolutely fantastic idea to keep people in the fabric of society, allow them, enable them, help them to live the most um, engaged and enriched and supported life as possible, rather than locking them up well, in an institution. Well, it's, it's, but it's, that it's, requires it's, it's, support, it's, it's, it's and support requires many, funding. Many of the people who were in mental hospitals before were, were, were glad to be in them, and what and, and the, the almost paradise idea of, of what care in the community means, which you've just you've just enunciated. And it, for a lot of people, it's just life in a bedsit. That's terrible. That's what it I, is. Once again, I agree with you. That is terrible, but that's because the funding and the support isn't there. So don't throw away well, the baby and the bathwater. Just the, make it, it better. It may be that the thing itself doesn't work. There are many, many, many things uh, wrong with our society. But if, 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 since we were talking about the police's problem with mental, mental health, it seems to me to be worth mentioning something most people don't know about Enoch Powell's water tower speech and the moment at which he said that all these places should be shut down. They simply don't know. Uh, they all know about his horrible, uh, <laughs> yeah, his, hor his horrible rivers of blood. They don't know about this one. It was one of the, it, it was it was one of the worst things ever done by a post-war politician. And, and we should realise that we have we have left a great hole in our social provision, which leaves an awful lot of people leaving, leading very lonely and unpleasant and disastrous lives. Well, there you go. That's uh, what the panel think. Marianne, she wants more time. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't have that much left anymore. Look, it's 20 <laughs> to 7 already. The time flies, doesn't it, Ian? Says, well said, Peter. I'm a retired police officer and I agree with you 100%. 
Alan says Michelle Peter Hitchens is right in his analysis of the police service. I personally was an officer for 30 years and worked as a civilian advisor for 10 years. The police service quit the streets in the 90s and now they are nowhere to be seen. Um, lots of John says the police prioritise city centre drunks and drug dealers now. Normal people uh, cannot get the police to attend to anything. Uh, we all suffer antisocial behaviour on a regular basis. Um, we call the police many times and just get given a crime number, nothing else. Tony says the police are political and biased and they always prosecute anyone on the right but turn a blind eye to the lefties. Really? Do they, Tony? You tell me, I don't know. John says, I work as a mental health nurse and I know for a fact that the police deal with the same repeat offenders over and over again and they are obliged to attend to do it. It's no wonder they are overstretched. Patricia says the problem with the police is partly funding, fair enough, but mostly corruption. That's a bit harsh. Um, I can tell you what, uh, I wouldn't want to be a police officer for love nor money right now. There's not enough money in the world uh, that you could pay me to be a police officer because you get out there, you risk your life, you know, goodness only knows what you're going to find at the end of 999 calls these days. I wouldn't like to find out, but you do seem to get a lot of stick. Are you a police officer? Do you think you're getting a fair rap? You tell me, gbviews at gbnews.uk. What do you think as well about the mental uh, hospitals that we've just been discussing? Would you like to see a return to those or not? Hello there, welcome back to Jubes & Co with me, Michelle Jubry, my panel, Peter Hitchens and Mariana Hotter, continuing their debate in the break. <laughs> Lots of you guys writing in as well about the situation with the police. Lots of agreement in terms of what Peter was just saying. Um, split down the middle, I have to say, about the whole kind of conversation about should mental health hospitals, uh, should we return to them? Should they be more of a thing? I would say split down the middle on that one. Lots of people saying there's lots of ill people that just need support in the community. But clearly, they're not getting that, are they? So what is the solution to that? Coming up at 7 o'clock, Nigel Farage joins us. Nigel, good evening. What have you got for us? Good evening. We have an exclusive story from Wellington that shows that when that fire broke out just yards from the fire depot, the engine wasn't there. It had been sent to Upminster. So a big question on cutbacks on fire engines. And we have a guy called Devin Nunes, a former long-term congressman, now about to launch on my show Donald Trump's social media platform, Truth Social UK. It'll all be launched here in an hour's time. Sounds good. We'll see you then, Nigel. Have a good time. In the meantime, you've only got 10 minutes left. There you go. Uh, time flies, doesn't it, when you are having fun, right? Let's talk about <laughs> IVF, shall we? Um, the NHS is going to lose some restrictions on who can receive IVF, rules that have prevented IVF treatment for women, for example, that might have a child from a previous relationship, etc., and restrictions on access to treatment for same-sex couples are to be relaxed. Um, you see, this whole kind of debate, yes, it is about IVF, uh, but to me, it almost kind of throws out into a broader thing, which is, what is the purpose of the NHS? What is it there for? What should it be there for? Should it be there to give people children? Is that a health requirement or is it a, a need, a desire? Marianne, where do you stand on this? So I think... There's, there's two things. The first is that the current situation um, is that depending on where you live, uh, what IVF you're entitled to is a postcode lottery. 
So some areas will provide three cycles of trying for IVF. Others will provide one. Some will provide it if you've already got one child. Others will provide it only if you don't have any other children. So the postcode lottery has to has to yeah, sort of stop. The broader question, which you're right, is a really knotty one, is what do we want the NHS to, to be able to do? Like right back, 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 back in the day, it was childhood vaccinations and immunisations to, to boost uh, um, children's health. It was maternal health and, and, you know, maternity wards and stuff like that. And it was sort of, you know, the immediate life-saving treatment or you've broken your arm because you've, you've fallen off your ladder or what have you. Now, obviously... Medical treatment is is a much broad... There are so many more treatments available, some of them very much more expensive. But I think it, if we're going to say IVF isn't a life-saving treatment and so the NHS can't afford to fund it, and you're right, there is a crisis of funding, um, there's a massive backlog, um, throw money at that, I say, throw money and expertise at that. More broadly, the question is, if you're not going to fund IVF because it's not life-saving, then there's lots of other things you need to kind of go down the list and go, well, should we have that? Should we have this? Should we have that? For example, I don't know, you've had um, a, a, a breast removed because you've got breast cancer. We don't have to have reconstructive surgery. They've done the life-saving bit. Now they're doing the make life better for you, improve your chances of, of recovery and quality of life bit. If you've got a really, really bad knee, it's not going to kill you, but it is going to increase your morbidity, your, your ill health, by enormous amounts. And I think we have to think of, of women's health and IVF and infertility in those circumstances. No, it's not going to kill you, but it will potentially make your life much, much worse if it's something that is denied to you because of a medical condition. Well, Anne says, Michelle... I think it's an outrageous waste of money for the working population to have to pay for someone else's romantic dream of a child. She says it's not right. The funds should be applied elsewhere. Where, though, Anne? This is what the question is. Mm. Uh, where is that line? What do you think, Anne, is OK for you uh, to be spending your funds on, your national insurance contributions? Where do you think it should go? Uh, Samantha says, we had to pay for IVF at £3,000 a go <clears throat> before the uh, hospital would help us. But yet the taxpayer has, <clears throat> excuse me, the taxpayer has to spend a greater amount of money supporting people who are not good parents, but just churn out kids anyway. She's saying it's morally more appropriate to spend money helping decent people who would make good parents than it is to spend millions uh, keeping children with people who don't deserve them. Mm. Where do you stand on it all, Peter? Well, IVF, I think it's a happy thing. And often, not always, alas, but it has happy results. And it, I, I like the idea of, of money, which I've spent on tax, being, uh, being spent on helping people to have children. There are so many other things that we do, from uh, tattoo removal to abortion, which, frankly, I could manage without, uh, as, as things on which public money is spent. And I don't think that I can really object to IVF treatment. So... Leaving that smaller issue aside, if we really want to take the health service seriously, then we need to remember it was originally set up actually to deal with a population which had been shattered by very hard manual work and by war. Uh, people who were ill, old, tired, uh, and, and in many ways physically broken by, by many, many years of hardship. And the health service which developed initially under, under Nibev and helped 
helped people like that quite a bit. But we now have a, a, a system which doesn't really have any defined purpose. If we are really serious about national health, I think the government should make many more interventions to allow people to live healthier lives. I think that particularly we need to do something about, uh, about transport so that people simply get exercise built into their lives, walking and cycling rather than taking, rather than using cars. The whole of our society needs to be redesigned to achieve that. Uh, that would, at a stroke, remove an awful lot of, of, of disease and ill health. Uh, we also, I think, need to give people, not punish people for living lives which are unhealthy, but reward people for making an effort to live healthy lives. So you get tax breaks uh, for looking after yourself. And that, so that if, you, if you do look after yourself, you keep your weight down, you stay fit, you pay lower taxes. I think that would be a very, very strong incentive to But how provide. would that work? How would it work? It's a very like interesting... Big brother I think, clinic I think, I think, it, I, I think, no, if people can volunteer for it, anybody who doesn't want to vo volunteer for it doesn't have to do it. But if people want to volunteer for it and their, and their, their doctor helps them to do it, yeah. then I think it's a very, very good way of encouraging people to treat themselves better. And I don't see any argument against it. It must be more sane than the vast, bureaucratic, ineffective, often actually quite uh, quite incompetent and worryingly bad organisation in some cases, which we all know about, uh, that, that doesn't actually make the nation more healthy, doesn't actually uh, do the job it's supposed to do, and inevitably, year after year, spends more and more money on being less and less effective. If you want a national health service, encourage people to live healthy lives. Don't wait for them to get ill and then try and pick up the pieces. What do you think to what Peter's saying? Would that incentivise you if there was a scheme that said basically, you know, if you look after yourself, you keep your weight down, you eat well, uh, don't smoke, drink too much, whatever, uh, and the net result of that would be that you would pay less taxes, would that be something that would motivate you? Uh, are you sitting there now about to eat a cream cake thinking to yourself, actually, <laughs> if I got a reduction in my national insurance contributions, I'll put that cake down. You tell me. Uh, personally, I'd go even further as well. I would say if you um, have got private health insurance, I think you should get a reduction in what you pay for the national insurance because uh, why should you have to pay for a private health cover and also the same level of national insurance contribution. Well, there is a reason for that. There is a reason for that, Michelle. If you, if you can afford to pay for private health cover, and, 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 and some of us can, yeah. uh, then that means you are in a position to help other people to, to, to get public health cover, and I think you should. Yeah, but you're still making a contribution. You are making a contribution, insurance. but I think... I Why think should I have to pay part, twice part if I've the, got it? Part of, part of the purpose of the, of the welfare state, as it was originally developed, was so that those who were better off could help those who were less well. Yeah, because you're not selfish, that's why. Because you're part of society, oh, sorry, Hermit, we, who lives on an island. Really? What do you think to that? Do you think it's selfish? <laughs> if someone's got private health insurance, I don't know, you might be watching this, you get it just as a, a term, a perk of your job. Uh, you know, so you're already paying for it as a taxable benefit. But is it selfish to sit there and say, well, I'm on a second, I don't use the NHS as much as other people, so give me a reduction? I think that's common sense. Uh, Marianne thinks it might be selfish. Where do you say? Uh, lots of you getting in touch on this one, by the way. Steve says, uh, stop all IVF altogether. Why? I don't quite understand that one. Uh, you tell me, though, Steve, why do we have to stop all IVF altogether? Uh, many people getting in touch saying uh, that the NHS is going to be, it should only be about health issues, not lifestyle issues. And this one is my favourite. Maggie says, I wonder when IVF is going to be available to men, because apparently these days they're able to have babies after all. 
Mm. I'll save that one for another day. Uh, right, that's all I've got time for. Thank you, Marianne and Peter, for your contributions. Thank you at home for your thoughts as well. Have a good evening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Jubes and Cur, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you will never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed it, leave us a nice comment. I'll see you next time.